how she went from starting a tea business in her mom's house to building an eight-figure empire off of Instagram. Using the Instagram algorithm to your advantage, even when it screws with your business big time, and so much more on today's episode. I'm Sunny Linarduzzi. Welcome to the Sunny Show podcast for the bright side of being your own boss and building your own life. My definition of being your own boss means showing up for yourself so you can show up for everyone and everything else personally and professionally. So congratulations on showing up, boss. I promise to support you on your journey with every single episode. Let's begin. You ask me all the time about Instagram, and there is no one better that I could turn to than Adi Arazzini, founder of Teamy Blends, a lifestyle brand centered around using natural, plant-based ingredients like premium loose-leaf teas to help customers live happier, healthier lives. Adi has navigated Instagram algorithm changes for six years years, going from her mom's house to a 15,000 square foot office and warehouse and a team of over 40 people in her multi-million dollar health and wellness empire. We're diving into Instagram, algorithms, the behind the scenes of what it actually takes to run a business like this and truly be a boss mindset and a whole lot more. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode and I can't wait to hear what you think. So be sure to screenshot this, tag me at Sunny Leonard Easy on Instagram and make sure to tag a D as well as at Teamy Blends on Instagram as well so we can see what your big takeaways are and what you learned from this episode. And if you haven't done it yet, make sure that you rate and review the Sunny Show podcast on iTunes. We love seeing your reviews and it means the world to us so that we can continue to create content like this and reach even more people. Also, we put together a very special workbook for you and you can check it out at sunnylinardusy.com slash 091. It's got all the key takeaways, links, resources, and a very special little gift that you'll hear about at the end of today's episode. So you can again head to sunnylinardusy.com slash 091 to grab that. All right, let's do this. Adi, welcome to the show. This is going to be such a juicy episode. I'm really excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me, Sunny. So I'm so excited to chat with you because you've built your business in a way that is kind of foreign to me, to be totally honest with you. And you've built it to an incredibly successful place in a very short period of time in a really competitive industry. So before we dive into the nitty gritty of like, Instagram and tactics and how you build your business and how you're navigating this massive empire that you've built. I would love to just dive into the behind the boss story because I think that's really interesting for you, the listener, to know that everyone's journey is so different and everyone's journey has twists and turns. So first, I just want to say first and foremost, you are a badass. (laughs) I just want to start off with that because... Yes, you work in the health and wellness space now and you have this online business that's this like huge empire, but you actually were a combat trainer for the Israel Defense Force. Like what in the what? Please tell me about your your journey so we can get a lay of the land here. <laughs> well, you know, it's actually a funny story. I basically, I, I graduated high school and I never had any purpose of going to college because I was raised by a single mom and I had this fierce drive to make an income. So college just didn't seem like a good fit for me for that purpose only. I was working um, at at a regular job and I was doing fine, but 
I was 19 years old and I was living in my own apartment, paying bills, paying rent, uh, having roommates, doing all these things. And I, I felt like I was 35 years old and I was 19. Mm. I was just working my butt off and I was burnt out at 19, which shouldn't happen. And that's when I started looking into like, what could I do? I need a massive change in my life, something that can give me direction, passion, purpose. And I found a program that helps uh, Americans or Jewish people in other countries go join the Israeli Defense Forces. And uh, within six weeks, I was in Israel. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And what was that like? <laughs> it was wild. Um, what I can tell you is that it taught me how to go through a lot of crap and persevere through it. It was, it, it, I mean, my boot camp it, itself was four months of training, four months of waking up at 5 a.m., you know? And so, I mean, I can only imagine how that would prepare you. It sounds trivial, but I can only imagine how that would prepare you for the world of running your own business and being an entrepreneur. Do you feel like there's been a lot of correlations? I definitely do. Um, I remember, you know, so vividly once I was doing guard duty at like four in the morning on top of some like sand hill. And I was like, why did I leave America, the land of opportunity to come here and watch this gate, you know, like in the middle of nowhere, and there's just like sand and a gate. And why am I, what am I doing? Did I make a mistake? And I knew that I had made a commitment for two years of my life to be doing this, to be serving my country. And that, that really taught me in business that when you make a commitment, whether it turns out good or bad, or you have questions or doubts throughout, you made a commitment to yourself or to your customers or to your employees. You need to make good on that commitment. Absolutely. I mean, it's, that's a huge, it's that radical accountability. I talk about that a lot and I use that term a lot because I think that's really the only way to truly succeed is to know that sort of like everything is your success, but everything is also your failure. And that's really the mm -hmm. only way to move forward. So how do you go from, <laughs> how do you go from Israel Defense Force to T? How did this happen? Yeah. Well, basically, and when I was in the army, I started developing really bad digestive issues to where I was, you know, I know it might be a little TMI, but I was going to the bathroom like once a week, which wow. is really unhealthy. But you would be surprised how many Americans or people around the world um, have this same issue and they think it's normal. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the toxin buildup in your gut. And there's a lot of articles coming out now about the gut brain connection and all the science is starting to, to come up around that. But I started looking for natural remedies to help my digestion. And that's how I found tea. I love it. And so you find the tea, you start sort of remedying yourself, which I think this is something that we've actually talked about quite a bit on the podcast, especially when we have guests on, because I love hearing the stories of how you came to develop the business that you now have, because I really do believe that your story has so much to do with 
the ultimate business that you're going to create. So for you, because we're all, we're all entrepreneurs and we all have to solve a problem. That's what an entrepreneur does. We solve problems. We answer questions, we find solutions to things. So when you have a problem in your own life that you can figure out how to solve that right there could potentially be your empire to build. So you start kind of solving your own problem. How did that then translate into the empire that you built today? I, when I started um, looking at different products on the market and wasn't really finding something that was, that was working for me, I actually uh, met my business partner, which was complete uh, a fate meeting of him. And he came from the tea industry. He had worked in sourcing, manufacturing, and creating tea products for the last five years. And so him and I got together and we started formulating our own products. And that's really how the business started. It was, and I was living at my mom's house. Yeah. Like, let's talk about that. Cause I think that you now have how many employees at your, at your company? 45. That's amazing. And it started <laughs> in your mom's house. Um, yep. and so you started at how many, how many years ago did you start the company? We just celebrated our sixth birthday. That's amazing. And so talk us through like the trajectory of being at your mom's house and what that was like in reality, because I think it's weird because everybody's got a hero's journey. And I think like we hear, oh, you are at your mom's house, but now we see you as this like glitzy glam, like founder and it's, it gets glorified. But what was that really like? Like, what was that situation like mentally for you physically? Did you really think you were ever going to get out of your mom's house? And what were the steps that you took to take it from zero revenue to, I mean, I, I'm not even sure how many millions you've done now if you're comfortable <laughs> sharing it. I know it's a lot. Um, if you're comfortable sharing your revenue. Like we would love to hear that because I think it's, it's cool to see how far you can come from, from zero. Sure. Uh, and I, I, so to back it up a little bit, you asked a lot of questions there. Um, Going from my mom's house, I had, I went to Walmart and I bought these blue plastic containers where I would store all my tea. And I had a container for tea. I had a container for poly bags. I had poly bag envelopes. I had a container for thermal labels. I had a little label printer. And when someone would order on our website, I would receive the order and then I would go pack it. And it was just, all of these things were in my bedroom. So my bedroom was my office. And then I would go to the post office every day and drop off the packages. And that's what I would do. Um, and as far as, you know, how I scaled it, it was a different landscape back then. Um, I got into Instagram six years ago where the algorithms were chronological back in the day. And all I had to do was uh, reach out to people organically and post and, and people would find us really, really easily. Um, and then I started working with influencers and I really built that out as a main core part of the exposure of my product and my business. But it really started in, in my mom's bedroom and what was going through my mind um, was how do I get more orders today than I did yesterday? Mm. That was it. You know, like if I had one order today, how do I get two tomorrow? And I would write down, I, it was so lame. I would write down in a notebook, like the days of the month. And I would write down how many sales I had each day. And then I would add it all up at the end of the month. 
And I would just look at this and it was handwritten in a notebook. I wasn't like using any computer software to do this. Um, and I was like, okay, well, why did on this month I have 10, 10 on this day, I had 10 orders and all the other days I had five. They started like almost analyzing numbers to try to figure out why there were some days that were higher than others. But in the beginning, it was like one order, two orders, one order, zero orders, three orders. Like that's how it was. I still do that today though. <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I, I mean, it's sort of like a very um, grass, grassroots way of, like you said, analyzing the business and analyzing your success. And if you really like scaling is such a buzzword now, but if you really look at what it means to scale, it really is just like exactly what you just said. It's like, how can I progress more tomorrow than I did today when it comes to revenue? And I think there's so many good takeaways in what you just said. So before you go any further, I just wanted to sort of pipe in with my key takeaways that you as the listener should be really honing in on, which is one, if you don't have sales, you don't have a business. Because I think that there's a lot of glitz and glam around building a brand, but brands don't mean anything unless you have sales. So if you're not focusing on sales from day one, then you're not focused on the right things. And then the second thing that's a really good takeaway is looking at your numbers. And just like you said, you were able to sort of look back after a month and be like, huh, that's interesting. On this day, we had 10. On this day, we had five. What did I do? What trigger did I pull to increase the sales? Okay, I'm going to do that again. So just wanted to pipe in with those two takeaways because I think that's really valuable for the listener. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. So from there, basically what was the tra trajectory from there? So you're in your mom's house and then? And then the orders started being like 10 a day, 30 a day, you know, 35 a day. And I hired my neighbor's son to help me pack packages so that I could focus more on doing the Instagram marketing. And I, you know, would really, I really focused on at the time because unlike you who are amazing and you've built a personal brand, I didn't have a personal brand. And I also didn't necessarily have a desire to build a personal brand at the time. It was just like, I want to focus on my business. I want to help people with my products and I want them to find out about my products. How will I do that if I, I can't go into retail stores because I'm 23 years old and I don't have enough inventory. They're going to ask me a bunch of questions I don't understand and no one's going to take me seriously. So let me just sell through my website. So how do people get to my website? We did a little bit of Google ads, a little bit of Facebook ads, but like barely because it was like so risky for me. I really didn't understand at all how to use those platforms. So I, for me, the low risk was sending someone else my product and all I'm losing there is the cost of the product and the cost of shipping. So that's my investment. And if they even make one sale off of talking about my product, I've already made my money back. So for me, it was like the most low risk type of marketing at the time. That's how I looked at it because I wasn't paying anyone. It was just, you know, oh, you can get, the person could get earned commission if they made a sale because we gave them a discount code. And if they made a sale through their discount code, they could earn commission. And that's really when I started influence marketing. I love that. And so, I mean, Lord knows the influencer marketing game has changed so much over the years. Like it's a bit insane, but just on a very basic level, when you say you grew the business with influencer marketing for somebody who's maybe new to this, like what were you, how was that working? What did you do on a daily basis to attract these influencers, like get their attention and then get them to actually post about you? 
Yeah. In the beginning, I just had an Excel spreadsheet. I would have, you know, their name, their address, their Instagram handle. And then I got more granular. I got, when did I ship it out? When is it supposed to arrive? And did I follow up and make sure it arrived? So one of the, the key things that companies still do today is that they send out product to influencers without ever following up, mm. which is nuts to me. They're just losing product. They're just losing product. Um, but they'll send out product because they think that what the influencer is going to remember that or, or be so thankful, especially now influencers, they have like this high and mighty kind of vibe. So they're, they may or may not do anything with your product. So I was just a stickler at follow-up. And that's been, by the way, in all key aspects of my business, my success is that I'm kind of this maniac at following up on things. And so I would follow up and I would make sure that they posted about it because they had agreed to do it. So I make sure, hey, what day are you going to post? Okay, good. That day, that time, awesome. Then I would check back in and make sure that they actually did that. And by doing this, I started seeing, again, this is six years ago, correlations between the type of influencers that would convert and the type of influencers that would not convert. And mm. it became very interesting to me. Like, why does this type of account never make any sales? And every time I work with this kind of account, they make a lot of sales. And by being able to identify those people, I was able to then work with those niche groups only instead of just working, you know, blanketly with everybody. Which I think is a huge problem in the influencer marketing space is these brands are just sort of throwing products at anyone and everyone. I mean, I've experienced it and I don't really consider myself an influencer because I don't do a lot of like sponsored um, things or brand deals or anything like that. But I get requests for it all, pretty much daily. And I've had people who are like jewelry companies reach out to me or like, um, what are some of the other funny ones? Like makeup companies. And they're like, can you do a video? You like don't even wear and You don't even, you're not a huge makeup girl. No. And they're like, can you do a video yeah. on our new foundation? And I'm like, why? You're like, like <laughs> you watch my channel? It's all yeah. about business tips. Well, and I think that's a big, like, that's not even just for influencer outreach. That's just like running a smart business in general. Like every single one that is like not a fit for me, it starts the same way. Hi, Sunny, we watched your YouTube channel and we loved fill in the blank video. And I can tell they're just filling in the blank. And I'm like, you know mm -hmm. nothing about me or my channel. And so mm -hmm. obviously you were really good at identifying the right people, but not just that, actually building relationships. It's not just a blanket of like throwing out your product. You actually built relationships with these people. Exactly. And, and I was able to replicate what I did and we have, you know, 11 influencer managers in-house at my company that all day, every day, that's what they do. They reach that's out amazing. to let to influencers, whether they're on YouTube or Instagram or wherever, and they create these relationships. And it, it is a huge investment as a business owner. I'm paying for the payroll of these, of these uh, employees that do an amazing job and we're paying influencers and we're spending money on products. So it's definitely uh, transformed than what it was when I was in my bedroom on an Excel spreadsheet and didn't have to pay anyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're now in a, was it 13,000 square feet, your, your current office? I think we're in 15,000 now. We added oh a my more. goodness. So, but it's I office mean, and warehouse. It's mainly warehouse. We have like our office space is around 4,000 square feet. Still, that's much bigger than your mother's house, I'm sure. Like that, tra that trajectory is so fascinating to me and... I mean, you've grown the company so much. Are you comfortable sharing the revenue of, of where you guys are at today? 
I can't share that, but what I can share is we were in the Inc. 500 magazine, so it's published for our revenue in 2017, which was $10 million. Unfreaking believable. For you, did you ever have moments where you were like, I, my brain has not caught up to this current situation. I still feel like I'm in my mom's house. Do you ever feel that way? I still feel that way today. And I'm learning so much this, this year has been the biggest lesson and probably until, you know, all throughout next year. So I'm still learning that. I mean, the lessons you've learned along the way, I can't even imagine. I'm sure it's been a pretty like rapid trajectory for you. Um, and the growth has been so insane. And you said that the big core of it was really Instagram and leveraging influencers. What other avenues are you using today to build the business? Today we're using, uh, obviously, Google ads, Facebook ads, and Instagram ads as uh, complementary to our influencer marketing. We also are pretty big on um, running email marketing to our uh, email list, which is really important for us. Uh, and that's really our core, our core pieces of advertising and marketing. I love it. And you'll be soon diving into YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm very that excited about. Yes. yes, you're you're a member of our Authority Accelerator, so I'm excited for 2020 for you to dive into that. Um, but when it comes to Instagram, obviously, like I think one of the biggest questions that I get asked most regularly is what happens when algorithms change? And the Instagram algorithm change, does change a lot, and you've been at it for six years, and I'm sure it was a lot easier six years ago to get in touch with influencers and to reach the audience you wanted to reach. How have you navigated the changes on Instagram with your business? That's a great question. Um, a, a couple of things that I had to pivot on, and this wasn't even just this year. It even happened in 2017 when the Instagram algorithm changed then as well. You have to give people a reason to come back to your page. So if you are only promoting your own products that you're selling, you might, you might need to diversify a little bit. And this was actually something that someone else told me. You have to give them a reason to come back to your page, even if it's as simple as doing a giveaway, right? You're doing a giveaway with other companies. It gives them a reason to interact, to come back to your page. We started doing a lot of these kind of health-related infographics, like five foods you should avoid uh, if, if you get bloated easily or five foods that cause bloating and things like that. So that kind of little tidbits of information give them a reason to come back to your brand, to your page. So that's one of the things. Um, but if we're talking about like nuts and bolts of the Instagram algorithm, to, the, to be fully honest, the Instagram algorithms just decreased your reach year over year over year. And they're decreasing the reach of influencers that we work with. So Instagram wants us to use paid advertising. That's what it's telling. That's what it's telling us. So we're of course going to continue to organically post because that's where our community is. That's where we can actually communicate with someone. But if they, if Instagram and the algorithm is pushing toward paid paid ads, then we have to play that game with them. That's where I'm at right now, at least. Yeah, and I think I think the best way to look at it is that we are all just playing a game, and at the end of the day. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of these platforms are 
businesses and they are run by machines and they're run by algorithms. And the algorithm is always going to take precedence when it comes to the reach that you're able to achieve. So when these changes happen, how does it affect your business? Um, you know, our business was, was hugely affected, like immediately. We saw an immediate decrease in website traffic and revenue, you know, and that's just the truth because I want to be honest with you. Um, so we need to pivot and find another source of traffic. And that's what we are busy doing right now. And I think the pivot is important to understand because it doesn't mean that, because I think a lot of the times people are like, oh my gosh, the Instagram algorithm has, has messed my business up. Like I need to just like quit or give up. And obviously you're not at a place where you're going to quit or give up because the company is so large now. And so pivoting is super important and looking for different avenues. And I talk about this a lot, which is like diversification. So yes, I have the biggest audience for my business on YouTube, but we've also focused on building each of the platforms. And for us, a big piece of it has building has been building our own audience. For me, that's on my email list. And I know that's been a big part of your business as well, the importance of having these diversified audiences. Definitely. I mean, an, an email uh, subscriber is owned by you, you know, and it's not owned by a, another platform. And I... I am going, like I said, in 2020, I'm going to be looking at diversifying more. Um, like you said, YouTube, other areas, we have to, we have to take a look at everything. But e even, you know what it shows me when, when something like this happens and kind of the, the house is on fire, it causes you to um, look around and be, and be more aware. So for example, um, we weren't really using affiliate marketing. And throughout this, these last couple of months with the Instagram algorithm changing, we are like, okay, well, what about blog and affiliate marketing people? Could that be an avenue for us? So we onboarded with a affiliate marketing website and we're testing it out. And hey, maybe that could be a, a channel of traffic. We don't know yet, but that's what it causes you to do. It causes you to be like, okay, well, where, where can we get traffic from then? And I love that. And I, I talk about this mentality a lot. And it's actually, I read a really good book recently called um, The Bezos Letters. And it's um, 14 principles that allowed Amazon to grow at the pace that it did. And one of those principles is the day one mentality and really reverting back to like when you were in your mom's house. Um, and for me, when I was in my parents' basement, like the amount of grit and figure outable attitude that you have to have because you don't have the team, you don't have the resources, you don't have the money. So you have to just figure out how to get past it and how to grow. And I think that that quality in an entrepreneur is so vitally important. And there was another quote, Steph Curry, who obviously plays for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> um, he was talking about when they lost to the Raptors in the finals. I loved what he said after their loss. He was like, the momentum is not built from wins. The momentum is built in the losses. Because when oh. you're winning, it's really easy to be like, this is great. I'm comfy. Like, I feel good. But, and that's oh, awesome. Yeah. And it should, it should ebb and flow. You're going to have winning seasons. You're going to have seasons where it's harder and you have to kind of go through that experience of figuring it out. But I think that's so true. It's like when you're faced with the fire or when you're faced with a problem in your business, that's when you really figure out who you are and who's going to stick around and who's going to fight through it with you. And it's when you're your most inventive as well. So out of the fire, I guess, of these changes, what are some of the big 
positives or lessons that came out of it for you? You know, it, it definitely taught me that, that I'm, you know, I, the first thing I got to say is that I got cocky and I have to admit that on air with you because as an entrepreneur yourself, you know, sometimes you feel like you've like reached this whole other level, you know, like, wow, I've, I've made my dreams come true and, and everything's great. And, you know, it can, it can really like, for example, like YouTube could close its doors tomorrow. I don't know. So it really taught me to be more humble and to say, okay, I'm not indestructible. Yeah. I, I figured I did figure something out for a couple of years, but now I need to figure it out again. So it almost taught me to be okay with losing. Mm. And, and it's been instrumental because no one likes to lose. No one likes it. But it is the, in these months that I have learned the most about myself, the most about my business, and the most about you know, my oversights and my mistakes. When things are going great, you don't look at your balance sheets as much. You kind of let money and, and, and things go a little bit easier. And so it taught me to like check in and really look at what's going on. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think I went through a really challenging time in my business last February and it felt like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And I have (laughs) never been more aware or awake to who I am and how I operate and what, what I needed to step into as a leader. And I think, I mean, you've got a way bigger team than I do and you have so much to manage. Like how have you, I don't know, even know if navigated is the right word. How have you managed to go from this one woman show to managing a team of over 40 people um, and everything else that comes with that? Uh, definitely as far as the management of employees, if there's an action or something that you're doing that is, uh, re- that you can replicate, you should write like a manual about it so that you can pass it off to an employee and to another team member. So that's one of, as far as management, that's how I was able to get and build a team is to write a manual. Here is the job and give it to them, then manage them based off of those expectations that I had written in the manual. And then um, navigating all of this, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm 28 years old. And as a leader, I think I've made more mistakes than you can even imagine. I've, you know, fired the wrong person. I've hired the wrong person. I've gotten mad. I have, you know, not said the right thing at the right time. So I think that for me, it's being able to learn from those lessons, even though they're, they're tough and saying, how can I do it better next time? I love that because that's the only way to grow, I think. And we're all going to make mistakes. Like, I think that's just the reality. And I think when you are signing up to be an entrepreneur and you make that choice, you kind of have to accept, and this took me a long time to learn because I am, I used to be such a perfectionist. I've kind of realized that that's just not a real thing anymore. But I think I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect at all times that I would, you know, basically suppress things that I was feeling until I like blew up in not the right ways. And I think I like that, that girl. yeah, right. Cause you're like, okay, well as a leader, I need to be the level-headed one. I need to be the calm one. I can't let this 
affect me. Um, and so it's just interesting to hear, you know, from you that you also had that perspective as well. Yeah. So I think it's just constant learning and growth. And I always say that entrepreneurship is the best practice in self-awareness that you can, that you can have. Um, and do you feel like at this point you've learned a lot about like managing your mindset? Cause I think that that piece of it is often not talked about enough. Um, because the pressure that comes with leading a company, the pressure that comes with being your own boss is exponentially more than a lot of, I, I would say normal people. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so what have been some of your best assets or skills when it comes to managing your mindset? Well, I can't say that I uh, am perfect at it. You know, I, I would love to say that I, I always have the right mindset, but sometimes you need a day or two to like, let, let your emotions sink in and reset yourself, you know? Um, but you know what I mean, Sunny? I, I totally do. I, I think you always kind of need to take a beat and exactly. that's definitely been a lesson for me in not being reactive. Um, and also the funny thing for me and my business too, I think it's not being reactive, but also on some levels when I needed to have difficult conversations, I used to sort of skirt around them because I really didn't want to have them. So I was delaying it. So I was the opposite of reactive in those situations, but that's just as bad because then it would just sort of fester and fester and fester until it sort of blew up. So yeah, I think learning but to have those conversations. Is, mindset is, is everything. It's everything. I mean... It, it was my mindset, my mindset of wanting to start a business and wanting to figure things out that got me to, to where I am today. And when I feel that my mindset is, is lacking or is hurting, I actually see it in my business. I actually see it in my business where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And then like everything is terrible in the business that day or that week. So what do you do uh, on a daily basis to like get a grip on that? Go for a walk. Oh, aren't they the best? <laughs> yeah. Go for a walk. Look at the clouds. Look at the sky. Uh, be thankful that I'm alive. And you know, I have to say something um, for anyone out there listening that is an entrepreneur or going to be an entrepreneur. My, my father-in-law said this to me and another business owner said this to me as well. You are not your business. You're not your business. Be in the sense that like if you're if you if you failed in something in your business, you feel like a failure. Like mm -hmm. I'm a failure. But you you are not your business. Like you have other areas. You have your family, you have maybe a husband, you have, you know, a dog, you have other parts of your life that, that are you. And as an entrepreneur, if you fail, you if you failed at something at work or in your business, you feel that you are a failure and being able to, to say like, you know what? I am a, I, I'm a human, I'm a person. And even if my business disappeared tomorrow, I would be okay as a person. And as a business owner, sometimes it feels like you won't. You're like, if everything disappears, I'm going to let my customers down. I'm going to let my employees down. I'm going to let my parents down. I'm going to let myself down. And then I just, I'm going to want to hide in a hole somewhere and, and not see anyone for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh. Like you're preaching to the choir. I feel like, I feel like, and I, and I really do for you listening, 
please take that to heart because I don't even think, I don't even think that applies strictly to, to entrepreneurs. I think that applies to anybody in any facet of their life that you are not your job. You are not your relationship. You are not your business. Your identity does not revolve around those things because those things are all external from you. And if they do go to hell, you still have to be standing there as the whole person that you are. And that for me has been such a big lesson. I went through massive burnout. I talk about it quite often where I ended up in the hospital and it really was because I became my business. We were one in the same. And so I was so wrapped up in it and so consumed by it. I lost sight of my own health, my own well-being, And it took its toll to the point where I basically had a massive panic attack and thank goodness, knock on wood, that hasn't happened since. And I really focused on my mindset and I really focused on getting flow in my business afterwards, which is part of the reason that I do what I do and how I want to help entrepreneurs, how I do help entrepreneurs to create flow and ease in their business. But that one thing that you just said, if there's one thing you take from this episode, like that, let it be that, that you are not your business because it will go through ups, it will go through downs, it will go through wins, it will go through losses. And that doesn't mean you as a person are a loser. Yeah. And I have to say, I have to remind myself that all the time when I'm, you know, I'll be driving in the car and I'll take a deep breath and I'm like, I am not my business. I am okay. I'm a good person, you know, when things are tough. Totally. And I think the, the kind of irony too, is that like, you are so entrenched in the health and wellness space as well. And like, one would think that because of what you do and the type of business that you run, which is helping people all over the world, take control of their health in a lot of ways that you would just have it all together. But I think that's the other thing too, is like, nobody's perfect. And I think we live in a day and age where we sort of put people on a pedestal and like myself included, I'll be the first to admit, like, I don't know what I'm doing half the time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like I figure it out and I make it work. Um, and there is not one person who runs a business who's going to be at their best or perfect at all times, but you need to try and equip yourself with the mindset tools, um, the rituals, the morning routines, the nighttime routines, the things that you do in your day that create your sense of balance and ground you in the chaos yeah. of trying to manage a business. Totally. totally. So, so with what you do and with your wonderful business, what are some of the things that you've learned as you've grown your business about health and wellness and self-care and how important it is to you? You know, what I've seen from my customers is that there is no one size fits all. There is no one size fits all, not with any of our products. Yeah, we see, you see common denominators of people's results on certain things, but it's outstanding to me how, you know, even with our, with our natural tea infused skincare products, where we'll, we'll look at some of our reviews and one person will say that it cured their eczema and another person will say that they used it on their son's rash. And another person will say that, you know, that the best, you know, green tea mask they've ever tried. So I love seeing the fact that I, I make, I can make a product that fits into everyone's lives and works for them, but works for them differently and individually. So that's what I love as a business owner. And that's the, the, the effect I like creating on people. Um, but aside from that, I definitely think that um, health is made to be a lot more complicated than it really is. And if I can do anything 
in my in my time here by educating uh, my customers on Instagram or anywhere is just to make it simple. Do one do one thing that day because you know my my audience, Sunny, are not like health gurus. That's not my audience. My audience are real people that don't know anything about nutrition and maybe they drink soda all day and they have been raised on that their whole lives and they're addicts to like Diet Coke. And by just switching that to a healthy tea, oh my God, their lives change. And that is the core of what makes me happy. I want to help the regular American that, that needs my help. I'm not trying to help the, the girl with the six pack. I'm try- oh, well, you know, she, she, can, she can use my products too. But like, I want to help the mom, the nurse, the teacher, the, the women that are busy, that, you know, instead of drinking, you know, a frappuccino cup or a Red Bull or a Monster or any of these unhealthy beverages, they can drink one of our cute little tumblers with healthy tea in it. Why not? I love it. And you are changing lives. I mean, obviously there's a huge demand for what you do. And I think a big part of this too, and why I love having guests come on the show from all different types of businesses is because I want you to understand that you can create a business in any way that you want to create it. There are a million different ways to create a business, but I think the core theme between everyone that we have on is that their story is tied into it in some way, shape, or form. And when your story is tied into it or it's a problem that you've solved for yourself or someone that you love close to you, it makes it all that much more impactful because that, that fuel will keep you going through all of the changes, all of the algorithms, <laughs> all of the things that can happen. And I just have so much respect for what you've built and I love what you're doing in the world. And I know that we have something special we can give to the audience. So do you want to share what you're going to do for the listeners? Yes, I would love to give all of the, the Sunny listeners 20% off anything on my website if they use code SUNNY20. I love it. And we'll link to that in the show notes below. We've also put together a workbook with all the key takeaways and resources um, from this episode. And you can find that at sunnyleonarduzzi.com slash 091. So make sure you go and grab that so you can implement a lot of this, the things that we talked about in this episode and take away these key points and these quotables because there were a lot of really good ones in, in this episode today. Thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to add before we wrap up? Just that I'm a huge fan of of you. So I'm really excited to have been on this podcast. And anyone listening know that whatever it is that you want to be doing, you can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you too. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. So many gold nuggets in this episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to screenshot it and tag me at Sunny Leonard Duzzi on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Give Addie some love and make sure that you let Timmy know that you loved this as well. And if you decide to get some Timmy products, I can't wait to hear what you think. They're amazing. They're such a wonderful company doing great things in the world. And if you haven't yet, make sure that you leave a rating and a review on iTunes for this podcast, The Sunny Show. I love seeing them. It means the world and it helps us reach 
reach even more people. And like I said, we have a special workbook for you at sunnyleonarduzzi.com slash 091 with all key takeaways, quotes, resources, links, and that special code that Adi is so generously giving to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening as always, and be sure to take care of yourself today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it with your fellow bosses. Congratulations on showing up for yourself today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.